BetOnlineAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It is the Bulldogs Extra podcast. Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis of the Athens Banner Herald. We are here on the first fall podcast of the season. Ryan, it feels like fall outside. It feels like football weather. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I stepped outside. I had my coffee in my hand and it's like steaming, you know, smoke coming off the top or, or you know, it just uh, felt, felt right. It felt exactly like the first day of fall during football season should feel. Except we are now on game number four for Georgia. Right. And I imagine it might feel like this on a crisp 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff Saturday. Georgia Vanderbilt uh, will be uh, bright and early for fans to get up and... Yeah, uh, 11 a.m. for you over there, won't it be? Yeah, watch the game on the SEC Network. Uh, Ryan, we'll talk about that. We will talk about the uh, matchup with the Commodores with uh, Vanderbilt beat writer from the Tennessean and uh, we will also uh, let's recap a little bit about the Bulldogs big SEC opener home win over South Carolina full house Sanford Stadium first time uh, for that in, for a night game I can say first time since UAB the week before well, for, for, <laughs> for a night game a little bit different at night yeah it, it always little, has a different feel it feels a little different there um, but Ryan, before we, we kind of break down the Bulldogs, what we saw in the game, uh, I don't know if you went back and watched any of the replay of it, but uh, you would think that Arch Manning was Georgia's starting quarterback. <laughs> I think his name was mentioned more than JT Daniels. We're talking about the number one recruit for the. Uh, he's not a senior; he's 20, a junior. Twenty twenty-three, right? Yeah. Um, not sure. Is he related to anyone? I don't know if that's the case. Um, There's Manning Brothers here in Athens that uh, does uh, food equipment. No, is that is that him? Is that them? <laughs> no, uh, of course he, it's he, the he, uh, Monday Night Football host. He's actually the 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 son of of the non football, uh, you know, on the college Cooper. And, uh, I guess in the NFL level, Cooper yeah. Manning. I haven't even watched that that Monday night thing. I know it's been talked about a lot. I've watched it a little bit. It's, uh, it's what, what I, is it? I enjoy it. Would yeah. you? Yeah, gotta watch on your phone or on your laptop. What no, you? ESPN two. Oh, it's on ESPN two. Well, it was the first week. I, you know, I didn't watch uh, any of it last week. I had too many fantasy implications. I was glued to ESPN, okay. and uh, but you know, the first week I watched it was it was interesting. You know, and people say that might be the future of sports broadcasting. Well, yeah, I mean, I think people kind of you know. If you're not like a diehard of one of the fans playing, it's probably more entertaining way to watch it and that kind of thing. Um, But, I mean, (laughs) there was so much coverage of Arch Manning for everything that he did and and, uh, the the, – what was it? The students uh, section was it, what's the name of that group? The yeah, the the Spike Squad, Spike right? Squad, uh, what spell, they have spelling out his name. And somebody had a had a sign that said uh, you know something with his name on it. I mean, I guess uh, Kirby had to be loving that, right? I'll, getting everybody in on the recruiting. I guess. I mean, it's not like they're they're hurting for quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't expect all of them to still be in the stable. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. And uh, of course, you saw that about Lane Kiffin, right? He follows one person on uh, Instagram. There was a lot made of that. Yeah. And it's Arch Manning. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't Jay Billis follow nobody? 
Maybe so. I think so. Well, he has no recruiting. Or maybe, maybe, he maybe he has. I don't know. Uh, the other part of that broadcast, um, which I need to ask you about, is uh, the Taste of the Town for Cafe Racer. Yeah. Have you been there? I have not. I passed it, you know, numerous times when it was, even before it was Cafe Racer, it used to be the barn or something like that. Does that sound right? I don't know. Well, anyway, yeah, go out 78, kind of like you're heading, uh, what, toward Augusta, I guess, and it's on your left yeah, I mean, it's, there. It's been kind of like, you know, oh, we got to go check it out, but we still haven't been. On it. And I know it's like, um, well, I think they, it's the uh, breakfast sandwiches, it's the donuts. They even do burgers. They one do night. burgers on Thursday nights, yeah, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Our uh, our photographer, Josh, raves about the uh, burgers out there. So Is that right? there's not, not much like it. I mean, you know, it slips my mind to head out there. And I was a little surprised to see that uh, it was Todd Blackledge went out there for that. I mean, uh, feel like there's other other joints around town not saying anything bad about cafe racer but uh he didn't have to go that far out of his way to a taste of town did he i mean i guess he took recommendations maybe yeah, i don't know yeah. uh cafe racer i know uh i guess chris stars uh, our friend uh, wrote a story about them this week how the espn uh highlight uh kind of brought even added a business and they were overwhelmed by it i guess but you know what they're opening a second location yeah i saw that where is that i didn't see exactly where i it think was. it's gonna be um i would say atlanta highway but is that part not called atlanta highway when you cross over a certain point uh so like if you're going toward uh winder and auburn and that no, no 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 i think uh, it's i think it's just past downtown like going towards oh, uh, bro- so uh, so it's broad street into it yeah broad highway. street broad yeah. street yeah you know, I saw, uh, since we're on our food segment of the uh, podcast, that White Tiger Barbecue is open in a, another location over in uh, I mean, Washington. I haven't been to the first location, but you recommend that one? It's not bad, yeah. Just give it a try. All right, how about football? Yeah. Uh, again, before we get into what we saw from the Vanderbilt game, bigger news this week was uh, Kirby decided to uh, let the media in on practice on Monday, and, and was actually maybe supposed to be Tuesday as well, but it was just Monday. It's supposed to be 15 minutes, and then that turned out to be nine minutes. Uh, but we, it was enough time to, to kind of, as you walk down in the indoor facility, to see a number one in a jersey, a, a number one in a black yeah. jersey, and then do a double take. And I mean, you knew he was coming back on the practice field at, at some point, but I don't know if Curry wanted us to see that in particular. But um, he, looked, he, <laughs> he looked he looked pretty impressive. Um, I only saw him. I mean. I didn't watch him for all nine minutes because I, by the time I got down to the field, there might have been a few minutes left. I saw him catch three passes uh, on all three balls thrown to him, and there were no defenders. It was just him catching passes from a QB and um, third in line uh, in, in this uh, running uh, wide receiver um, rotation on that on that side. But um, you know, encouraging. And then uh, we had a chance to talk to Kirby uh, the next day, and then JT Daniels last night. Um, I mean, obviously, I feel more now that there's a chance he's going to be back this season. But even as JT Daniels said yesterday, you know, you want him. Oop, there goes my phone just fell on this floor here. Uh, you want him to be ready to play and to realize he has an NFL future, not to rush back. And, you know, even JT kind of, although he'd love to have him, he says he's the best receiver um, out there that um, he wants to make sure that, that George is ready and 100% in full speed and, and doesn't jeopardize his future. So what are we, six months out from his, uh, or has it been a little yeah, even less? A little more than six months. A little more than six months. I mean, you know, I know modern medicine is, is incredible, and you always think of Adrian uh, Peterson coming back from a, from a knee injury as a running back in like eight months and, and playing a few years back. But, you know, you think about it, if if eight months is the is the absolute fastest he can come back. I mean, you're still looking at middle November, if that. Yeah. So when I wrote the story, I talked to a um, 
uh, a guy that does uh, ACL surgeries um, out of, uh, I believe it was New York State, right, right after his injury. Um, he talked about a timeline that would put him back in time for the SEC championship game. So, um, look, he's only doing about 15 minutes of practice now, and then he's going to do rehab, and he's doing the portion of practice where, uh, you know, it's the least taxing. There's no contact at all. There's no defense. It's uh, individual, you know, position-type stuff, I guess. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he's back, you know. I, I know some people were talking about Florida, which is oh only, my goodness. Only, only a month away. That seems way too far. And, and you got to think of the health of him, right? right, I, right and like right. JT said, I right. mean, you don't want to jeopardize his yeah. future. And you think about Don Blaylock, who has, you know, he was fully rehabbed from what we knew and then injured it again, you know, his knees. So you don't want to have anything like that. Like you said, I think everybody expects George to go into next year's uh, NFL draft. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt the individual, you know, to get him back for for the team because, as we've seen the last two weeks, they're they're not hurting for receivers right now. All right, as we mentioned, JT Daniels um, was back from his oblique injury against South Carolina, and looked like the old JT Daniels pretty much in my mind. I mean, uh, you know, obviously uh, not the type of defense that he faced against Clemson. Uh, but was incredibly efficient, especially on third downs. Georgia as a team on third downs, uh, as I pull out the stats, was uh, very impressive. Of uh, well, here's here's my thing. You nine know, of nine of uh, twelve, I think it was. Yeah, a couple things. You know, Georgia or uh, Clemson, excuse me, obviously has proven that they've got a heck of a defense. But you know, Georgia going into that, knowing now that JT was banged up. And, uh, you know, you, you have Brock Bowers just jumping on the scene. And I think Lad McConkey's, you know, like one of your top receivers, you know, in that game, you're kind of just kind of tiptoeing into waters in that game, which I, I feel like is the reason they didn't go down the field too much and, and that type of stuff. So I think, you know, as we've seen over the past two weeks with, with Stetson and now with JT back is that they're finding themselves a little more, you know, A.D. Mitchell. Uh, we knew last year Jermaine Burton was a guy that you could go to. He's shown out the last two weeks. So I think they're uh, they're getting a lot more comfortable. Todd Monken's getting a lot more comfortable with the pieces that he has. And the deep ball that was very effective against UAB with Stetson Bennett again with JT, um, you know, went deep to Jermaine Burton hey. uh, early in the game, hits him for a 43-yard touchdown. What do you say, Ryan? I was, was going to say, have you seen some of these videos that have come out, like the wider shot of the stadium where the receiver's on the sideline, almost at the snap? Oh, no. See, yeah, do they? And JT did it uh, with Stetson in the UAB game. It's like as soon as the ball snapped, it's like they are so in tune with what the coverage is that they know that somebody like Jermaine Burton or AD is going to just go fly, mm-hmm. or Arian Smith is just going to fly by their defender, and they're putting their hands up about the time the ball snaps because they know a touchdown is coming. You know, George is very effective in their, their play action. That's really helping drive a lot of these deep ball passes. Uh, so JT did a little fake toss, and it left the cornerback uh, for South Carolina Cam Smith kind of flat-footed, and, and Burton has speed and was gone past him about five yards. Yeah. Later on, uh, on the 38-yard touchdown to A.D. Mitchell, um, it was just a perfect deep ball that, that hit Mitchell kind of in stride, and then, uh, you know, first touchdown for a guy that we expect to have a lot more. And then who did he celebrate with? I guess. I didn't see that part. Uh, I, apparently, yeah, that was Arch and his uh, the Arch crew. 
yeah up in, in the front and ad uh I, you know i wondered everybody's like ad was uh recruiting uh, you know arch manning on that play like come on did he did he know that was arch maybe maybe now, does Cooper and uh, Arch, do they have a, a, a cap for every t- school they go to? Oh, or, of course. Or, or, or do they get it handed to them when they get there? Oh, I'm sure. That, yeah, I'm sure it's handed to them. And, you know, they put that on with their credential or something. It, well, can they do that? Can they just hand out stuff? It's, a, it's not even an official visit. It's an unofficial visit. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do uh, go to the bookstore before the game, I mean, peruse things. I don't know. C- Cooper had like a stylish one, too. It was like a... Was he there with him? Because I never saw yeah, him. Was, oh yeah, I mean, I assume he would him. be. He, got, he uh, got as much TV time as Arch did. Uh, okay. Uh, I should have watched the replay. Um, were you okay with this third series? Give the give uh, Stetson um, series. Well, hindsight being twenty twenty, I mean, it looked kind of silly, right? Uh, but but I think we might have discussed during the game. It was like Kirby had to, you know, obviously he didn't want Stetson to come in and and throw an interception, but. Inside, he had to be like, okay, well, that solves any uh, criticism that I might get or any quarterback controversy. Yeah, so, we know, so we know JT's our guy. You're saying you're not seeing Stetson third series against Vanderbilt? No, absolutely not. Or or uh, any other time. And, you know, he, he might be the guy that comes in if JT's injured again. Uh, but I don't think they're going to do that little experiment anymore. All right. Georgia's defense uh, did give up a touchdown finally. It came, uh, I guess, about four minutes into this fourth quarter. Josh Fan. We had a, a really nice game, 36-yard touchdown pass from Luke Doty. Uh, but besides that, I mean, this Georgia defense is, is salty as heck. And uh, I was asking Kirby for a story that we have on our game day cover that is online, Athens, uh, on the website if you want to check it out. Ask him basically, you know, there's so much talk among these guys. It's kind of their catchphrase, you know, are we elite you know, or are we not is kind of their thing. The standard, too, is another uh, go-to. Yeah, and so, I mean, you kind of, I don't know if you forget, but if you go back and look at the numbers on these Alabama defenses that Kirby was coordinating and Nick Saban was overseeing, 2010 and 2011 was kind of, uh, or maybe 11 and 12, I guess, was kind of the gold mine mm. uh, of just, you know, really uh, shut, like- shut down. They led the, the nation in every category in 2011. And I asked Kirby, basically, you know, he's seen elite defenses, so... How does I didn't say how did this compare? I said, what does an elite defense look like? Does this look like an elite defense? And he said this front seven in particular, he said they all have different personalities, defenses, and, you know. Uh, but, but this one has the most athletic front seven he's, he's uh, coached, he said. Now, they've had some great secondaries at, at, at Alabama. So, uh, obviously, this Georgia secondary is kind of a work in progress, although probably not doing as bad as maybe some people well, thought they could. Yeah, absolutely. They would, even though they give up some deep balls uh, last time. But, I mean, we're only three games in. The, the best opponents, uh, even, uh, you know, you say you played Clemson, but that, that offense at Clemson is not looking great. No. So, you know, you're going to be playing uh, Arkansas and Florida and Auburn. Um, you know, is this Georgia's defense? Uh, what's going to tell you? I mean, are you already convinced that this thing's going to be a monster? Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I think, you know, uh, and that, that quote was very interesting to me that, you know, hey, with all the athletic defenses that Kirby's had, especially at Alabama. But you think about a couple people. What do you think about? You think about that Jordan Davis chase down. I mean, mm-hmm. how athletic was that when mm-hmm. he ran down the quarterback? Uh and and I'm gonna keep harping on. I feel like we've been saying Channing Tindall for a couple, you know two three years now, but what he's done so far this year, and I swear you know if there's somebody that needs to be run down you know, you know along the sideline or somebody breaks through and you think they might have a six seven yard gain out of nowhere forty one is just flying in there to just absolutely you know 
wreak havoc. And, and the same with uh, Quay Walker. I see number seven going sideline to sideline. And when you have speed like that, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to argue with what Kirby said about being the most athletic front seven mm-hmm. because, I mean, they are everywhere. And, again, you know, you think about uh, Jalen Carter right up front. Well, he was catching passes for touchdowns last year on offense, mm-hmm. remember? So that, the, getting all those guys in there and, and uh, you know, swarming to the ball and, you know, not allowing 10 yards uh, in a game rushing and stuff like that, I mean, that uh, that's going to be hard to, to beat uh, by any offense. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about the Bulldogs uh, on the back end, but for now, uh, let's bring on the Vanderbilt Rider to speak about the uh, Commodores and Bulldogs on Saturday. All right, joining us now to talk a little bit of Vanderbilt football ahead of Saturday's game with Georgia in Nashville is uh, Aria Gerson of the uh, Tennessean. Thanks for uh, being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, so I uh, wanted to start before we dive into the Commodores, who are 1-2 and two at this point. Um, this is your first season covering Vanderbilt. Uh, you came from Michigan. I wanted to ask you what it's like to go from covering a uh, game at the Big House to a 40,000-seat stadium uh, at Vanderbilt uh, in terms of just the uh, kind of the atmosphere around a game day and uh, the importance of football as you sense it from uh, your time there so far? Yeah, it's definitely a lot different. I mean, at Michigan, you know, people followed Jim Harbaugh's every move. Um, And, you know, no matter what was happening, it was a huge stadium and they filled it up um, just because, you know, of all the history. And, you know, I do think that that's kind of similar to, I haven't gone to any SEC road games yet, but I, you know, imagine that, you know, I I know that a lot of SEC schools are like that. Uh, And I'm excited because, you know, I've been to the Penn State whiteout. Actually, I've been to a game at Wisconsin, and those are really great atmospheres. So I'm excited to see that. But it's definitely, you know, a different, feeling at Vanderbilt, you know, their main sport is really baseball. And at Michigan, nobody came to baseball games, even when even when they were good in 2019. Um, they did not have a lot of fans, so I guess it sort of switches places there. But um, the, it's, definitely, it's definitely different, for sure. And even just being, you know, having a new coach, this year, I mean, Harbaugh's been at Michigan for seven years now, so um, it's been a while since since there was even a coaching change in, in football. So you kind of have the same the same narrative every year with them, um, and I think for Vanderbilt, even though you know the implication is like no matter what year it is, they're probably not going to be that good. You know, the Clark Lee, the addition of Clark Lee kind of does give it a different narrative this year. Well, before we dive into Vanderbilt and uh, and Georgia, one more thing about Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is the brother-in-law of Georgia basketball coach Tom Crean. So I'm curious what your experience is or, or interaction w- with Harbaugh in terms of we see him from afar seems like he's got his distinct personality uh kind of quirky uh what what is your experience from uh, being around him um in ann arbor yeah so he you know is not too keen on talking to the media (laughs) 
he would do his his weekly press conferences. You know, he'd stand at the podium and he would. He was very skilled at, at talking for a long time and not really saying anything. <laughs> you know, like you'd ask him, like, "Oh, like how are the yeah, name a position group wide receiver is looking?" and um, he would just name off every wide receiver on the roster and be like, oh, well, like this, get, this guy is like looking great. Like, and then you get to the fourth string, like fourth string wide receiver, like, oh, like, yeah, like he's impressing it on our scout team. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so you kind of, you kind of had to learn to ask the, the assistants questions instead of Harbaugh because he didn't really oblige any of that stuff. Um, he did one time call me out for laughing at a joke that he made because I was like the only one who laughed. So that happened once. <laughs> so that was a good that was a good call out. He wasn't he wasn't upset with you like uh like, you know, I'm a man, I'm forty, uh, from Oklahoma State. Yeah. Right? yeah, no, it was it was good. And I mean he knew my name, so that was something. But that's a that's a good um, that's a good feeling right there. Yeah. And uh but yeah that was really I mean he very much limited his his interactions with us. Like nobody really had any kind of personal relationship with him um, because he didn't, you know, want to. So my main experiences with him was just, you know, what he said at, at the podium every Monday. And sometimes it was kind of entertaining. Sometimes something would go viral what he said. Um, and you know, it was always a race of like which of us in the media could tweet it first and get. All the, re- all the retweets, but, um, you know, it, it really was just, like I said, just that podium session. Right, right. Well, getting to Vanderbilt, obviously an, an embarrassing loss there to East Tennessee State to open the year, but then they, you know, bounced back, went out to Colorado State with a win, and then I guess a respectable showing against uh, Stanford, which had beaten USC the, the week before. So what's the vibe around the program, especially with number two Georgia coming in? You know, uh, I, I'm assuming they, they feel like it's a tall task ahead, but did they gain any confidence the last two weeks that, uh, you know, they can be a little more respectable? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you talk to them, they're all about, and this is Clark Lee's thing. He's been saying this, like, the whole year. Everybody's been saying this, like, nameless, faceless opponent, and they continue to insist on that, you know, when it's Georgia, too. Now, I'm sure that, like, they know that Georgia is ranked number two. They know that Georgia has, you know, really um, a really great defense and offense, too, but especially their defense. And, you know, they have a lot of size and – um, but I, I think that, you know, if you come into a game now, I don't think that Vanderbilt is going to, to make this a game. But if you come into a game and you say, like, oh, this is, like, the number two team in the country and, like, we're bad, like, that's a, that's a recipe to lose. So <laughs> I think that they are kind of approaching it as if it's just, like, a random opponent. I know they're excited to play. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, the stadium is not – super large but in front of their own fans again for an SEC game because they didn't last year um, and so you know I think they're excited to, to get to SEC play but this is definitely a pretty tough opponent and I think that a lot of their goals are like I know that um, you know last night I was hearing that you know one of their main goals and I was basically to not beat themselves to not make like penalties and you know 
issues on special teams and um, just just things like that to to not be doing that and um, you know to be kind of at least able to um, you know get playmakers open and get like that those are the kind of goals they were speaking in not anything of like scoring points but more like avoiding the penalties avoiding the like bad like bad plays <laughs> and just kind of trying to stay trying to be like you know Georgia is probably going to beat us but like let them beat us instead of us beating us kind of a thing Vanderbilt's last two uh, football head coaches, um, probably it's fair to say, had dynamic personalities. James Franklin in particular, Derek Mason, you know, maybe a little bit less so, but, um, you know, mixed results. Obviously, Franklin, very successful, went to Penn State. Mason now back in as a coordinator. Uh, Clark Lee, I don't know if he's more in the Bobby Johnson mold or what, but uh, watching his press conference, uh, he seems, um, you know, he's not going to go viral probably like like you see Elaine uh, Kiffin or even Shane Beamer the other day post game. Um, you know, is that going to – do you need a salesperson at Vanderbilt to, you know, uh, attract recruits and, and uh, or, or do you think uh, what he's going to bring is, is going to, you know, maybe work? Well, I think that a big advantage that he does have is that he did play at Vanderbilt himself, and not just that, but he's from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he has that natural, like, he can tell people all about Vanderbilt, and he can tell people about Nashville, and he knows himself because he was in that situation himself. Um, and so I think it's hard for me to say, like, you know, the the Franklin style, like, salesman was the only thing that really worked in the past multiple decades. Um, but I don't think that that means necessarily that a different approach can't work. I think it's just we'll have to see it. Because I know Clark Lee is trying to recruit more local. He's trying to get kids from Tennessee and kids from, like, the rest of the South, whether that's like Atlanta or from Alabama or places like that. And I think it can be a smart idea because you get kids who want to play in the SEC that aren't getting offers from other SEC schools. Um, but again, like, I just think it's hard to say, will that work until, you know, we actually see him trying to like, I mean, I know some, some, They've got some 2022 commits right now, but uh, until we see a full class, I don't. I think it's hard to like judge on that. But it certainly is a different style. He's he's a lot more, at least in the press conferences, he's not as fiery. Although I think he does kind of raise his voice, you know, with the team when he needs to. But in the press conferences, he's definitely more, you know, subdued. I guess he's more. Um, but but you can tell that he does have a level of, of attention to detail in those press conferences. He, you know, is very in-depth with his responses to questions, and I think he's been good at making adjustments um, during games. Now they need to start out better, especially on defense, but I have noticed some adjustments, like, in the game, and so I think that attention to detail, like, I think it will help. James Franklin is... 
not the best coach when it comes to, like, in-game things. And so, you know, I do think if that style can work, like, I think it can work. I just don't know if it does work. Mm -hmm. Ken Seals in his second year, I guess, uh, at quarterback for the Commodores, where has he kind of developed most, uh, you know, this year? And what are some of his, uh, I guess, best attributes? Yeah, I think um, it's been kind of a mixed bag this year because this is a guy who was setting freshman records last year, and this year it's been a little bit up and down. But, I mean, the issues that he's had this year are the same as, you know, they've always been. He has a few too many turnovers. Um, But I think that, you know, when he's at his best, um, he doesn't necessarily have the arm strength of, some of the other SEC quarterbacks, but he can, you know, make mid-range passes that are fairly accurate and that, um, you know, there's a lot of talent at receiver. Um, He has a good connection with Chris Pierce in particular um, at the receivers. His running is not, like, a huge part of his game, but it's been... You know, he can sneak it when he needs to or, you know, run a little bit if, if he needs to. And so I think that, you know, if he can cut back on the, the turnovers, um, which some of those this season were, you know, very much his fault, some of them less so because, you know, it depends on, you know, if somebody missed a block or whatever that, like, not a ton the quarterback can do but regardless I think that if he can cut back on the turnovers he could end up becoming a part a quarterback who kind of does a lot of things pretty well even if there's not one like standout area Uh, he definitely needs to cut back on the turnovers I do think that um against Stanford when things were going well uh he was making good now, the, the offense looked a lot better in the first half than the second half. But when things were going well, he looked like he was making good decisions in terms of, you know, when to run, when to pass. Um, the running lanes were opening well, so when he handed it off, the running backs were doing their job. And then, um, you know, he was, again, he had that connection with, with Chris Pierce. And, you know, they were moving the ball, and that's, that's the potential that he has. It's just the fact that he's not always the most consistent. And so, but like I said, I think, I think if he, he kind of avoids those turnovers, like he could become a kind of quarterback who does a lot of things like pretty well. And for Vanderbilt, like that, you know, that's a good thing to have, especially with some of the talent that they have at the skill position. All right, last thing. You said you didn't think this would be too much of a game, so I'm not going to ask you about like what Vanderbilt needs to do to compete or win or that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go maybe back to the passion for Vanderbilt fans, which is baseball, and the, our, our local kid, Kumar Rocker, went to school uh, about 10 miles, out, 10 minutes outside of uh, mm-hmm. Athens at Oconee County High School. North Oconee. What's he going to do this year? He was drafted and then not signed. Do you know what his plans are by any chance? Yeah, so... I'm not totally sure, but the word is that he was not going to go back to Vanderbilt, that he was going to, whether that was, like, just showcase or, like, 
play in an independent league, mm-hmm. similar to what somebody like uh, Lou Kochevar did or what James Paxton did. Um, and uh, that's, you know, the, that is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, we still don't really know what his situation was in terms of the medicals that hasn't, you know, come out anywhere. And so it's hard to say, like, without knowing what the issue was, it's hard to say, like, if he's, you know, going to be able to pitch a, this year. Right. Um, you know, his his camp said he can pitch right now. Like, he doesn't, like, immediately need Tommy John surgery or something. But, again, it's been, like, two months since that was going down. And so, you know, I don't know what his health is, situation is now. Um, but, you know, I, I do hope that, that for his sake, like, he stays healthy and that he's able to find a team that, you know, is fine with whatever whatever the issue was that the Mets had. I mean, the Mets said that the somebody on the Mets said that a bruise was the same thing as a sprain, which is not true. Um, and so, uh, I just hope that I hope that he finds an organization that wants him because he deserves that and. Um, you know, he, um, whatever's, whatever's best for him is like that, that's presumably what he and his family and his agent are deciding to do. All right, Aria, we thank you uh, for joining us and, uh, we'll see you, uh, in the press box, I assume on uh, Saturday, uh, bright and yep. early. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, before we uh, make our picks for the week, um, what do you think of Georgia's offensive line from the standpoint of um, you think there needs to be or should be changes um, at all in terms of it seems like, you know, Jamari Sawyer moving inside, maybe starting Broderick Jones at left tackle. Um, maybe that would end up putting a Warren Erickson on the bench or something. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there needs to be uh, possibly – experimentation this week i mean that'd be a good week to do it i mean they have practice they 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 don't (laughs) (laughs) right but i mean uh you know once once you you know obviously they've seen that in practice so far and they feel like that's the line that'll yeah i mean kirby open holes and and, kirby has said that jamari is better at left tackle than at guard um you know it's still a question of whether well is he the issue i mean uh i don't know that he he is but of course, you know, with with Tate well, I mean, going down in the first game, that didn't help. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, Broderick Jones still having some uh, not not bust uh, in terms of maybe what he's who's blocking, but assignments type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Erickson did give up a sack. He looked like he missed a block as well on on a uh, Kenny McIntosh uh, tackle for loss uh, guy on the Gamecocks. So it'd be worth watching. I don't know if if there's any change that happens this week. Um, but certainly down the line, I think they'd want a Broderick Jones or a Marius Mims mm-hmm. to to earn playing time, right. more playing time. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, let's uh, let's make our picks. Uh, let's see what it looked like for me last week. It did not look good. I went six and nine, which might might be uh, better than you. Still, what'd you do? No, I did seven and eight. I'm, Damn. Uh, I'm uh, hitting about five hundred. I need to get your picks audited. I don't trust you. Uh, right. I think you're I think you're fudging those numbers. All right, All right I'm now uh, a measly nineteen and twenty three on the season. 23 and 21. Oh, man. 
Yep, yep. I'll send you all. I'll send you. Didn't we bet a porterhouse uh, dinner or something? Yeah, as long as I win, that sounds great. It was just a. Oh, oh, I see. I see how you do. (laughs) All right, let's make these picks and let's. uh, We're going to start with our little Friday night matchup. It's uh, it's one of the great college football rivalries. Uh, You know, uh, it's it's a matchup that's been seen for ages and uh, really gets the fan bases riled up. It's Liberty at Syracuse. And um, Ryan, I know you've been to both uh, both those campuses. No, I stay far away from Liberty. <laughs> uh, something uh, wrong about no, Jerry no, Falwell? Let's, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. <laughs> um, I've been to Syracuse too. Have you ever been up there? No, I Wait, haven't. You, you you go up there for Dave Matthews concerts all the time. To. Upstate New York. I was supposed to. Well, you've done it in the past. No, I haven't been that far. Uh, oh, you've never been up there? Never been up there. Okay. Been to Milwaukee. Right. Been to Indianapolis. But uh, never been never been that far. We're supposed to last year. We uh, we drove through Syracuse a couple summers ago, and uh, we just kind of stopped take a, in the spec. Well, we, 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 we just we just took a couple. Uh, we we looked a little bit at the campus, saw the Carrier Dome. I was looking for a place to eat, and uh, was not impressed with the offerings that they had there for for the lunchtime menu. I think we ended up getting like a, a firehouse or something. Or uh-huh. <laughs> it, it wasn't much there. I mean, it was the summer, so maybe things were closed a little bit more than normal. I don't even yeah, know if campus was students were around. But what's the line on that game? Syracuse Syracuse is uh, getting six and a half. It's Liberty by six and a half, or uh, favored by six and a half. Uh, I'm going to say give me the Flames and Hugh Freeze because Rutgers went to the Carrier Dome this season and won 17 to 7. I'm taking Liberty. Yeah, Syracuse. Uh, is Dino Baber still there? Still there. Coach? Still there. Yeah. And, uh, not inspiring too much uh, positivity there. Uh, let me give me, uh, give me Liberty as well. All right, maybe I'll make make you make the next pick ahead of me because okay. I see how you do. I see how you operate. Mm-hmm. LSU getting uh, or by two and a half at Mississippi State. Uh, that's the game. Go ahead, Ryan. Make your pick. Yeah, I mean Mississippi State has done nothing to uh, make me feel good about uh, what they've got going on right now. Uh, LSU. You know, they're still LSU, right? I mean, they're, they're going to go into Mississippi State. And I mean, they're not still out. LSU. They lost to UCLA. No, that is true, but. Um, you know, I, I still think they go into uh, Mississippi State and get to win. Yeah, I'm not trusting Mike Leach again. I, I, I went with him last week. I, I put my confidence back in him. And uh, give me Max Johnson. Oh, yeah. I'm former Oconee County guy. Did spe- you see spe- the video they put out yeah. of him? That's pretty cool. You talking about just the interview with him? Well, no. They they did the, a thing the other day where they ran out of the tunnel, no, you know, see, just following that. solely him. Didn't That's see that one. Cool. Hey, uh, speaking of which, I, I think I meant to talk about this earlier, but um, 2022 – Georgia football schedule came out. Mississippi State, Georgia's that's the crossover opponent, which we knew. It's going to be a November game. Quick thought on the 22 schedule is this. Georgia doesn't play an SEC home game until like game six in October. Uh, they go on the road to South Carolina to open the SEC. I believe it might be Missouri the next game. And then uh, last two games, I think, in, in the conference are also on the road. But they have then, you know, a bunch of games in a row at home in conference. And then also Florida in the middle of that Oregon in the opener you jacked up to see the uh, the Ducks and the Bulldogs yeah that should be I heard uh, who was it one of the guys in the SEC network was talking about the Georgia-Oregon game and said, Doring I don't know I think it was him uh, I don't know anyway he was saying you know this could be the national champion Georgia Bulldogs opening with Oregon I, I think like, I heard that too I was <laughs> like I bet there's some cringes over in the butt smear right now by the way SEC network go ahead and make that a two hour reveal next time one hour is not really enough <laughs> yeah right uh, alright Missouri is giving one and a half at Boston College I am taking the BC Eagles uh, Missouri I don't like their chances in New England they don't have a good history of winning games there 
Uh, what, what's their record in New England? I have England? no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Mizzou. SEC game at, uh, you know, SEC team. I think Boston College is one of the better ACC teams, which doesn't That's say too much. That's not saying much. No, but I, you know what? They could be a surprise. And I, you said Mizzou's getting, the, uh, getting one and a half? Missouri favored by one and a half. Oh, favored by one and a half. Okay. All right, Notre Dame's, at, Notre Dame's at Wisconsin. The Badgers are favored by six and a half. I am, even though Notre Dame has not been impressive this year, I'm taking the Irish, getting six and a half points. I feel like Notre Dame, as we saw with Florida State, they're going to, I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to play a tight one, and I'm, I'm saying they're going to. Uh, it's at Soldier Field, by the way, in Chicago. Okay, so it's not at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which is more of a home game for Notre Dame, but I'm still taking Notre Dame getting no, the points. No, no, no. Let's think about this. So Notre is that Dame, why isn't game day in Chicago this week? I think they are. Be, yeah. I think they are. Notre Dame uh, looked like uh, not that great against FSU. I know. I know. We thought is FSU back? No. Notre Dame's just down. So give me Wisconsin. Even six and a half. All right. Yep. Louisville uh, is speaking of Florida State. They are uh, favored by one and a half at Florida State, oh, and I am taking the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. Because like we said, FSU. I don't know what their deal is, but they are not looking good. What was the line on that? Louisville by what? One and a half. All right, Clemson is uh, going to NC State. Uh, Tigers favored by ten and a half. Ron, go ahead and make your pick. Hmm. At NC State, I, you know, Clemson's just not in, inspiring me uh, in the least. So I think NC State keeps it very tight and possibly even wins this thing. All right, I'm taking the Wolfpack as well. Texas A&M versus Arkansas in Dallas. Um, this is a... Uh, Pretty interesting SEC West matchup. Arkansas coming to Georgia next week. Take I'm taking Pig Suey getting five and a half points in this one. Um, A&M went to Colorado and only won by a field goal, so I'm taking uh, the Razorbacks getting this five and a half. Isn't this game always tight, even when Arkansas was was had bad teams? Don't know. So, so, <laughs> I think it, it was, especially since they started playing in Dallas. So I, I'm with you though on that. I think Arkansas is uh, is the pick here. Georgia State is at Auburn. Tigers are favored by 26 and a half points. By the way, Mike Bobo is getting um, uh, criticized for a fourth down call at Penn State. Did you see it? I did not. It was a fourth point. Maybe it was a two point conversion. One of those two. Um, it was. Oh, I know. It was a. It was a fade route that that he called to the end zone and uh, didn't didn't work yeah. out. Um, I'm taking the Tigers to win big and cover. Georgia State was crushed by Army and North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so 27 and a half. No, 26 and a half. Uh, yeah, give me give me over. UCLA is at Stanford. The Cardinal are getting four and a half. I'm saying the Bruins bounce back from their loss to Fresno. Give me UCLA. Uh, what's the line on that? Four and a half. Over who? Stanford. Um, you know, I, I think Stanford, I, you know, they've impressed me a little bit. I mean, I know the USC win was uh, looked at as, oh, USC stinks. Let's fire Hilton. But uh, I, I'm, give me Stanford. All right, Kentucky's going to South Carolina. We saw what the Gamecocks did in, in Athens. Uh, Kentucky was not very impressive last week either. Mm-hmm. Or was that the week before? I can't remember. Um, I'm taking the Gamecocks, getting four and a half at home. I'm taking the mighty Shane Beamers. Now, give me Kentucky. I, I just I don't think I don't think USC is all that great. And Kentucky, I think they have they have something there, you know, with their running backs and, and whatnot. So, give me Kentucky. Gamecock's going to take it at home. Yeah, maybe so. I don't think they're winning, but they're getting four and a half. All right, Tennessee. I mean, I'm, I don't know who's winning. Tennessee's at Florida. Gators coming off a uh, tight one with Alabama, favored by nineteen and a half points. Florida is. I'm taking a little Vols, yep. getting the points. Give me the big orange. I agree. I mean, I, I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people are saying. Uh, they're not great, 
But, uh, you know, Florida coming down off that high of, uh, you know, giving Alabama a really good second half at least. Uh, I I, just, I think there's a there's a setup for a letdown and a, and a fairly tight game and I mean even a you know a 35-21 game isn't close but they still cover you know that type of deal so uh, give me give me Tennessee. All right, we're gonna end it with a little game called uh, Georgia Vanderbilt. It's the Bulldogs favored by 34 and a half points in Nashville. It's an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. We don't even know if, uh, you know, Brock Bauer's alarm clock's going to go off. He might just roll out there in the second half. I bet John Fitzpatrick goes off, and he's going to eat him some steak at, or whatever at 7 a.m. Hey, you're reading my, my game day uh, preview copy. Oh, sorry, here. sorry. Um, I'm taking Georgia, given the points. I think Florida uh, – Florida. I, don't, I think Vanderbilt's not going to score more than a field goal. So I'm going to take Georgia. Maybe it'll be 42-3, to three, but that'll cover. Bulldogs will come home 4-0, and oh, and they will uh, – Make people who bet this game a lot of money. Don't don't bet this based on what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah, don't take wise. Consider, considering my record is 19 and 23. You're, it's not hard to be wiser than wiser this year. Um, you know, the thing with this game, there's a lot of factors. You know, you think hey, they say that last year's situation doesn't bother them where Vanderbilt basically canceled on them twice. But, you know, that's in the back of their minds, you know. And they're going to go in there. And you think about everybody was all freaked out about that noon game uh, four years ago when uh, Georgia, you know, was uh, was having a great season, undefeated. You know, oh, Lord, this is a trap game. And what did they do? Go in there and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle just went incredibly off. And, and uh, DeAndre Swift had a little bit of a breakout game. And, you know, it was uh, – Georgia just rolled all over them in 11 a.m. local start time. So I feel more the same. Georgia has that, you know, kind of fired up mentality after last year uh, when they lost a game because Vanderbilt canceled. So I I don't think this will be close. I see this being along the lines of that UAB score, to be honest with you. All right. So you heard it here first. Bulldogs win. Big. In Vandy. All right, everyone. uh, Have a great weekend. Enjoy college football. And uh, we will talk back with you next week. See ya. See ya. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams. Let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.